Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. find them in sports. We talked about how you can find them in entertainment, TV shows, and even in science. Um, there's a book out called The Book of Circles. It's written by Manuel Lima. And while talking about circles, he makes a couple of statements that I find interesting. He says, you see that in different areas of the globe, in different areas of time, you can see that there's some sort of fascination when it comes to circles. He continues, he says, Thousand, a thousand years ago, the circle infiltrated every area of human knowledge, uh, from architecture to urban planning to linguistics and object, objects. And it says, he says, today it remains a dominant form in the world of information design. But then he says, that still doesn't explain its omnipresence. He says, we know that humans are more attracted to curved shapes than angular shapes something backed by several recent studies. He says it goes back to primitive roots in nature where most shapes are curved. He says they're softer, they provide some safety as opposed to angular shapes like the teeth of an animal or the hard shape of a rock. Those are signifiers of danger, but curved shapes provide safety. We've been talking about the fact that our relationships are important. These circles that we're in uh, provide safety. We've said it like this, those that are close matter most. We would all almost instinctively understand that we need close circles around us. But I've also submitted to you that if we don't know the function, how those circles are supposed to operate, then we will never be able to harvest the fruit that those circles are supposed to supply. And so we've talked about the fact that if we don't know how circles are supposed to operate, oftentimes we'll sabotage our circles or exit our circles too soon. And since we're not willing to pay the long-term investment of time and we're not vulnerable and we're not accountable uh, and we're not transparent, then that fruit of, uh, of safety that we long for is lost. And so we watch people jump in and out of groups. They go to group after group, church after church, circle after circle, and it's like they long for, they're even envious of this fruit, but they're never willing to pay the price necessary to get this fruit. And so then what happens is this, is 
in the middle of a, a tragedy, in the middle of a, a, a time of pain, we'll point fingers at everybody else and say they're shallow or they don't care, but we'll never seem, we never seem to understand that we haven't uh, dug deep enough into our relationships to get the fruit that we need. And so we, we uh, as American Christians in particular, we call that independence when it's really isolation. We're all by ourselves. We have no one to care for us. And it's simply because we didn't know how circles were supposed to operate. So I've challenged you that we must know how our circles are supposed to operate and that we have to ask this question. Is my circle providing these things for me? But there's an equally important question that we must also ask, and it's this. Am I providing these things for my circle? And we do a circle check, and we see whether these things are being offered and, and, and provided. And if they're not, then we make the demand on our circle, we develop these things in our circle, or we determine that we need to do a circle change. So we've been talking about this. So I informed you in week one that the writers in the New Testament provide uh, circle coaching for us. 59 distinct occasions where they use a phrase, uh, the, this phrase, one, one another, 59 different times. They say, do these things for one another. These are circle coaching instructions for us that we've been looking at. And so we've been breaking down these statements. And you will remember that in week one, if you have your little card that we provided for you, we said that the core component, the, the core that everything else orbits around is this. We are instructed to love one another. In fact, 17 of the 59 statements, 28%, is this statement, love one another. And I told you that if we don't love one another, we will never be able to provide the other components that orbit around love. The, the first orbiting component we dealt with was the hardest one, I think, and it was this, we must confess and forgive one another. And I told you that God can't heal what we hide. And it is, it is as we enter our circles and we find these safe places where we can confess and forgive our faults that we find healing. That's why it's so important for you to find a circle that's confidential, why it's so important to have a circle that's careful. It's so important to have circle mates that recognize their own need for forgiveness so that when you need forgiveness, they handle you with grace. I'm convinced that if we can learn to do this if we can learn to provide that in circles, that our church, our church family, will be a circle where people, a circle where people can find grace when they need it most. Second, uh, the second orbiting component was to serve one another. Eight different times, we're told to serve one another. It is as we serve that we stay circled because we see the needs around us. It's not about our giftedness anymore. It's about the fact that we see people in need. And as I see your need, you're looking for my need and it causes us to stay circled. Week three, the third component was this, pray for one another. Interestingly enough though, uh, we're told to serve one another eight times. We're only told directly to pray for one another one time. And I don't think that diminishes the importance of prayer. I think it simply reminds us that we cannot allow our prayers to substitute our service. That as we take to God what only he can do, we still do what we can do. And as we combine those two uh, ideas and, and approaches, we take to God, we do what we can do, that when we combine those, that we have the ability to carry one another's burdens effectively. Then last week, we talked about the fact that we're instructed to encourage one another. Man, if there was ever a season where we need to encourage one another, it's this season. In fact, the writers said that as we get into the last days, 
we should encourage one another daily. I'm convinced that there is a famine of encouragement. There are people in churches, in neighborhoods that go not just days, they go weeks and some even months with, without ever having an encouraging word said to them. And the writer said that we should encourage one another daily. Why? Because it helps us to have hope and it helps us to live holy. And so we've been challenged to encourage one another. So now, uh, component uh, number five, the one that we want to talk about today is this. The writers tell us to teach one another. Um, there are some very blunt statements right straight to the point of instructing one another twice in the list. We're just bluntly told to instruct one another. Then there are three that make the uh, inference to, to do to do instruction. So let me read them to you. In Romans chapter 15, verse 14, very bluntly, I myself am convinced, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge and competent to instruct one another. Another version says you are able to teach one another. Then in Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, can't be much uh, more straight to the point than this says, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Then the three that infer it, Ephesians chapter 4, verse uh, 14 and 15 in the Message Bible, no prolonged emphases among us, please. will not tolerate, tolerate babes in the woods, small children who are easy prey for predators. God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and to tell it to one another in love like Christ in everything. We would have learned it like this instead by speaking the truth in love to one another. We must grow up in every way to Christ who is the head. And then in Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19 and 20, speaking to, this sounds familiar, doesn't it? Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then finally in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, Paul giving instructions to a young man says this, command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. So here it is, very straightforward. Instruct one another, admonish one another, um, teach one another, sing to one another, be an example for one another. It's all this concept of teaching one another. But I want to say to you that I think one of the uh, glaring issues of the church, the, the church as a whole, our church here at Passion, our circles, I think one of the glaring issues today is the lack of teaching. Some of you would say, oh, that's right, Pastor, you're right. It's because we don't have the number of services we used to have and we don't have Sunday school anymore. That's why we don't have the teaching. It's this lack of, and I get where you're coming from and I would submit to you that the lack of teaching that I'm talking about, although not having as many weekly services and not having an organized Sunday school may contribute to the lack of teaching, I would submit to you that the issue that I'm talking about is not the result, not primarily the result of, a, of less services or not having Sunday school. Um, I think the bigger issue is that we have relegated to teaching to a classroom with a podium, curriculum, and a professor who does all the talking. I want you to notice that the passages that I read to you 
are about a different kind of teaching that I think is missing and doing much more damage than not having as many weekly services as we used to have in the good old days. I think the lack of this kind of teaching is doing much more damage than not having Sunday school. Uh, it, the type of teaching mentioned here is done by average circle mates on a daily basis. It is conducted by old men to young men. It is uh, young ladies to older ladies, older ladies to younger ladies. It is husbands to wives. It is parents to children. It is this consistent and daily insertion of wisdom and knowledge that is shared between us. And Paul said that he knows we're capable of this, that we're able to do this, and yet we don't. We have people filled with wisdom and knowledge that won't teach because they don't have a title, they don't have a classroom, and they don't have a stage. We have seasoned and experienced veterans who refuse to share the knowledge that is inside of them because they've come to the conclusion in their own heart that the young folks won't want to listen to them, that the young folks will think they're not relevant anymore, so they sit on their knowledge. At the same time, we have young people that have come to the conclusion that the old folks don't know what they're talking about, so they won't listen to them. And because of that, we don't teach one another. We have young men and women who won't speak and won't share wisdom and won't share knowledge because they feel like they're too young and they've concluded in their heart that nobody will listen. And we've got older folks that won't listen to younger folks even though they've been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and have great wisdom and knowledge because we think they're too young. And the result is we go all week long weak. In fact, what we really do is we wait all week long to show up at a building so that one guy can stand on a stage and hopefully that one guy will have enough wisdom and knowledge to answer all of our questions. And we relegate teaching to one person and we end up weak. There is a better way. You are the better way. It is as we share knowledge. It's as we speak into each other's lives. It's as we as we share the wisdom, as we give instruction, that direction is gained. It is as we sing to one another that we share life and we share hope and we share strength. It's as we admonish one another, which means to prod. It's as we correct one another. It's as we rebuke one another in love that we grow up and we mature together. I think it's essential to notice that the basis of the shared wisdom that we're talking about uh, the writers talk about psalms and songs and hymns and doctrine and word. I think it's really important for us to understand that as, as the writer says, speak truth in love. What truth? I think it's really important for us to recognize that the truth that we're teaching as we're interacting with one another is not our truth. It is the truth. It is as we go deep into the word of God together, it's our shared and practiced knowledge of God's word. It's not just my opinions. It's the, the tried and true word of God that, that I've worked out, that I've walked in, that I know works. It's as we share that in our circles that we grow. As many of you know, um, I've spent a little bit of time in quarantine lately. About two, two and a half weeks ago, 
I uh, came down with COVID and I spent uh, about 11 days in quarantine. On my last day of quarantine, I'm ready to come out of the back bedroom, tired of being cooped up, and Julie tests positive for the virus and she has to go into quarantine. And of course, that means I stay in quarantine as well. Um, it's in an environment like that that I had some time to think. And I begin to think about you. I begin to think about uh, this thing we call passion. It's, it's a circle. It's made up of relationships. And I started to ask myself some questions about our circle. What do we teach one another? And I've come to some conclusions about what you've taught me. And I think what you've taught me can teach us. Uh, the first thing that you've taught me is, is this. We teach, each, we teach each other how to handle triumph. I have watched some of your lives turn completely around from the first day that I met you. I have watched you win some incredible victories. I've seen you experience some incredible blessings. I've watched some of you get promoted. I've watched some of you get compensated. I've watched, uh, I've watched as you've held on to promises and promises have come to pass. And through all of that, as I've watched you win, as I've seen you gain victory, as I've seen you triumph in all these things, you've taught me how to handle it. I've watched you as you've taught me that all the glory belongs to God. I've taught you not, I, I, I've, I've watched you and you've taught me not to be stingy with blessings because I've seen many of you be blessed and turn around and bless people that are less fortunate than you. I've even watched uh, as you've taught me how to rejoice as other people are blessed. Some of you have prayed for blessings and you've watched as God's blessed people around you with the blessing that you prayed for and you didn't get jealous and you didn't get envious and you didn't get mad. Instead, you rejoiced in their blessing. You guys have taught me how to handle triumph, that glory belongs to God, the credit belongs to him, and that blessings are supposed to be shared. But you've also uh, taught me how to handle tragedy. We teach, we teach each other. As we're walking through life, we teach each other how to handle tragedy. Just as I've watched many of you be blessed, I've watched some in our congregation, in our circle, walk through some heart-wrenching, gut-wrenching tragedy. I've watched uh, some of you handle brokenness. I've seen some of you handle sickness, disappointment, death. And yet the truth is, is even though you've walked through all that, you've taught me some things. I've watched you handle this tragedy. You're still singing. You still show up every Sunday and throw up your hands and worship. You still, you're still standing. You're still believing. You're still walking through life. And because of that, you've taught me that nothing can separate us. Not the worst tragedy that we wouldn't ever wish on our worst enemy. We can walk through all that and still be victorious. It doesn't separate us from God's love. You've taught me how to handle tragedy. You've taught me that... Uh, we can use profound pain to produce profound praise as I watch you worship. You, you've taught me to keep my eyes up and to keep my hope up that we can walk through the valley of death and destruction, but we don't have to fear. You've taught me how to lean when it gets mean, that we lean into our circles. You've taught me how to live and to walk. And I am so grateful, grateful for that. But I need you to keep teaching. Please, don't grow complacent. Don't grow weary. Don't grow silent. Don't get angry and think that nobody wants to listen to me. 
We need every one of us to teach and admonish and to correct as we operate in our circles. There are new generations coming that need the wisdom of the older generation. The older generation needs the passion and the conviction of the new generation. There are new believers that need to be taught. We need to keep teaching. So the real question, there's two questions that we have to, to ask is, um, one is who are you teaching? And two, what are you teaching? The truth is, is that we're all teaching somebody. My question is, is have you identified who God has assigned you to teach? And also, what are you teaching? Not just your opinions, not just your thoughts. Are you digging into God's word, the shared knowledge of practiced word that has worked in your life? Is that what you're teaching by your faith, by your conduct, by your example? What are you teaching? My prayer today is that we would recognize who we're supposed to teach, that we would speak up and we would teach the truth. So Father, this, uh, this time together, I pray as we've talked about in being willing to teach one another. I pray that you'd help us. I pray that you would uh, help us to recognize who we're supposed to teach. I pray that those of us that maybe feel like we don't have anything to add, I pray that the words of Paul would speak and uh, kind of ring true in our heart that we, we are competent. We have the, the, the wisdom, the knowledge inside of us, and we would step up to the plate and we would teach those that need to be taught. Regardless of age, regardless of experience, we would be willing to step up and teach. Father, I pray that we'd also be faithful to teach the right thing, that we wouldn't just teach our opinions, our ideas, but instead we would lean on the knowledge that we gained from your word, the truth, the practiced knowledge of your word. And I pray that we would share that. And as we do that together, I pray that in our circles, as we teach one another, admonish one another, that in those moments we would mature and grow up in our relationship with you. We ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for watching and joining us today, and we're just delighted to have you with us. I'm really hoping that maybe during our time of worship or maybe during the message, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, that at some point during our service you made the decision to do that. Um, Jesus can change your life. He also recognized that we would need each other for that change to be completed. And so we wanna encourage you, if you've accepted Christ, if you accepted Christ as your savior during our service today, simply text the word saved to the number on your screen. That will allow us to get in contact with you and help you on this journey. And also to send you some materials like this book that will just help you make this journey as we walk this road together. So we're really excited about the new relationship that you have with Jesus and with his family here at Passion. Also wanna encourage you to remain faithful in your giving. You guys are so faithful. If Passion uh, impacts you in any way, I just wanna challenge you to give. There's numbers on your screen where you can text to give or you can go online and give and pay your tithes and your offerings and also make donation toward the new Hope Center that we're starting hopefully by the end of this year. We're trying to raise $100,000 by the end of March, and we encourage you to partner with us to impact the lives of men who've been impacted by drugs and alcohol and addiction, and we believe together 
with the help of Jesus, we're gonna set them free. So I just encourage you to give, give faithfully. We promise that we'll use it uh, wisely as good stewards of God's money. God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you have a blessed week. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.